What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Widow Podcast, the show about anything, everything, and probably food at some point. Today, we are talking to Lou Love, taproom manager of Locust Cider for Worst First Cidery. Lou has a really unique perspective on craft beer and cider, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about women in business, talking about Puerto Rican food, all kinds of fun stuff. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into that interview. Lou, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm really honored. I I wish we were doing this later in the day so I could be drinking cider right now, but cider at 10 in the morning is not my thing. A little early. Yeah. Um, so if you guys haven't been to Locust Cider, it's, uh, it's on South Main here in Fort Worth and it's the, it's the only cider place yeah. in Fort Worth, yeah, correct? It's Fort Worth's first cidery. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you do at Locust Cider. Okay. So I am the tapper manager. I've been working for Locust for about a year and a half now, um, I initially started just doing sales for them with the idea of me running their tap room at some point. But since we didn't have a physical space, <laughs> there was only so much that I could do. So yeah. um, for the last uh, year prior to Locust opening, uh, it was just me and Patrice just kind of getting the word out, stomping the pavements, letting everybody know about Locust and kind of... Um, getting this place up and running. And so now my responsibility is uh, mostly front of the house. I uh, manage um, pretty much everything that goes on in this place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is my job. And I work very closely with our other tap rooms in Washington State. So even though I'm sort of alone down here by myself, um, I am constantly in communication with my other uh, co-workers and uh, the owners directly so it's nice because I have some support system down here but at times I'm like ah, what do I do because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot and it's 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 uh but it's fun it's a great learning experience so yeah for sure so um we're we're sitting right next to these big um metal things Tanks, is yes. this <laughs> is this where the cider is actually made yeah so um I don't personally brew the cider. Um, I am still learning the cider m- making process. Um, Patrick, the owner who I work directly with, he's actually the one back here masterminding like all of the yeah. crazy um, uh, different types of flavors that we create. And um, so basically how this works is it's fermented um, apple juice, mm-hmm. con- you know, concentrate. And uh, what separates cider from beer is that it's not it, there's no malt and there's no hops um, the only similarity is yeast for mm. the fermenting process and so what we do is we take our apple juice and we ferment it in a tank and we let it sit for about seven days and then we put it into another tank where it cools and then we carbonate it and then um, we also have a boiling process where we'll take in, uh, separate ingredients like spices or any other type of concentrated juices or powders, and we boil that, and then we add that to the mix, and that's where you get your um, different flavors as mm. opposed to just apple cider. You'll yeah. have, like, the strawberry hibiscus or the dark cherry or the vanilla bean. And so it's it's a fairly simple process. It's closer to winemaking than it is mm. um, beer making. Okay. Um, the goal is as uh, the taproom manager and um, hopefully uh, running other cideries that we open here in Texas is to learn the cider making process because I feel like unless I have experience 
in the back as well. Um, I don't feel like I have as much to contribute because mm -hmm. I want to learn about the cider making process so that if need be, if there's a crisis at a cidery, I can come in and, you know, help out. And, you know, also I want to help Patrick when, because he's always back here uh, essentially brewing and fermenting and Sometimes I just want to give them a break yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of uh, be like, no, you're good. Go home. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at the, you know, chalk wall with all the different flavors and the strawberry hibiscus, dark cherry, um, vanilla bean, grapefruit, honey pear. Um, do you have a do you have a favorite? Does it does your favorite change with the seasons? Everyone always, every day, asks me what my favorite cider is. And it's very hard for me to tell them that because to me it really is dependent on my mood. Mm. So um, so occasionally I want something a little bit sweeter. And so I'll drink the uh, vanilla bean um, or the sweet aged. Sometimes I want something that's a little bit drier, so I'll do the original dry or the dark cherry. Um, right now I'm really digging our strawberry hibiscus just because mm. it's kind of like a middle, semi-sweet, not too dry. Um, yeah, but it's really dependent on our on my mood. But I don't really have a favorite because, and I'm not saying this because I'm biased, but they're all really good. You yeah. really can't go wrong, you yeah. know. And that's why I always suggest when people come in and they ask me what my favorite is, I'm like, just do a flight and try them all because, I mean, what what my favorite might you know yeah. might be might not be your favorite. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so when you come into Locust, you get a flight. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I did the first time I came here because I, I was like, oh, my God, they all sound yeah. good. Like, I want to try all of them. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's kind of a fun way to, to try them all. And then I know you guys were doing a, a hot cider for a while with the spices. Yeah, we were doing that. Um, the weather has been a little bit warmer mm -hmm. and um welcome to texas welcome to texas yeah <laughs> it's 30 degrees today yeah. <laughs> last today's week it was 80. Yeah. today's a great day for hot cider but yeah. we're closed yeah. um, <laughs> um the cool thing about our cider is if you want to drink it warm you can um just put it in a crock pot and um if you want to add your own spices we suggest putting it in like a a bag that has like, you know, the kind of like a tea bag yeah. and put it in there and just, you know, or you can just drink it as is and it's really good warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's cold day like this, just dump it in a crock pot yeah. and got some nice warm alcoholic cider. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. So how did you get into this industry? Like when was it, were you interested in cider or did you just kind of fall into it and now you love it or? Um, it's actually, okay, so this story is a little is a little interesting. Um, I've been in craft beer for five years and um, I originally started working in craft beer when I applied to work at Brass Tap, which is in uh, downtown Fort Worth. And prior to working um, for them, I had never had a beer in my life, <laughs> never once. Um, and we had to do a week class, a whole week of training where we had to try five five ounce samples of beer. So every day of my training, I was leaving drunk. <laughs> we all were. But the first beer I ever had was uh, Ballast Point Sculpin, which is an IPA. And I told myself, I will never like beer. I will not do well in this job or this industry. And um, that was it. I was like, this is, I'm never doing it. And uh, somehow, um, five years later, you know, four years later, I was still working at Brass Tap and I had acquired a taste for um, craft beer. Cider was very different because we didn't really, ha cider at the time when I first started working in craft beer, one, craft beer was still very much, in, in Fort Worth was very much a, a kind of a niche 
-hmm. You know, there was, I think maybe at the time, like we were the third beer garden mm -hmm. in Fort Worth and now it's everywhere. Every bar has craft beer. It's, a, it's, it's blown up in just the last couple years. Um, but cider, we didn't carry a lot of cider. And it, what the cider we did carry was like Angry Orchard, Crispin, you know, stuff like that. And so when um, we did get locust cider in a can at, at um, Brass Tap, but I hadn't had a chance to try it. And then my now boss, Jason, he had came in on a sales trip and he gave me, he gave me his business card and he goes, hey, um, we're opening up Fort Worth's first cidery in uh, Fort Worth. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll let my boss know that you came in. And, but I kept his business card and um, for a while I had really wanted to see how I, can, how I could um, take my knowledge and the, my management experience and all the previous knowledge I've had in other industries I've worked in and now in craft beer how to parlay that into a career in craft beer because here I was I had my Cicerone certification I knew all this stuff about craft beer and brewing and all of these things how do I make that a career and I didn't had no desire of you know starting my own brewery and I didn't know what to do so a couple months later I emailed Jason and I said um Hey, I want to run your cidery. <laughs> it was uh, it was really that simple. And he said, um, "Okay, well, Patrick's moving down there, and he's flying in next week, and you guys should meet up." And we met up at Pouring Glory, and we kind of I kind of like mock, not really an interview so much per se, just kind of getting to know each other. And over the last year, um, waiting for a locust, the whole year was just me and Patrick just learning to work together and we make such an awesome amazing team he's my boss but um he's also my partner we're e i feel very equal to him and it's great i mean the 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 way locust is growing and and the direction it wants to go into is amazing they're doing something that hasn't really been done in this industry and um, i'm really excited to be a part of it and um just seeing the potential. Just in the last uh, year and a half, we've opened, um, th I think, two, two cideries, and we've also acquired a brewery. So we're now Locust Cider and Brewing. So we'll also be doing beer. Um, and there's another one that's opening up soon in Colorado. So, I mean, we're expanding and it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, um, that's always kind of exciting to be at the forefront oh, of yeah. something and, yeah. you know, expansion and, and, and new things. Kind of scary though, I would imagine at the same time. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a little, it's a little, uh, it's a little scary just because, um, you know, I know that I really, really want this and I'm working hard to prove myself all the time that I can do this. But it's scary because you want to grow and when, it, when, when things are growing and it's more responsibilities put on you, the success lies on your shoulders. And um, I so badly want this place to do well in all future cideries and so, um, it's not stressful per se, but it's also like, ah, I want it to do so well, and I yeah. hope it isn't me that causes it to come crumbling down. <laughs> but luckily, I have such a good team behind a good support system that I don't ever see that happening because anytime I'm ever, you know, stressing or uh, worried about something, I mean, my bosses and my employees, I mean, even though they're all in Washington State, they're just a phone call away, a text message away, and 
they're so quick to just help me out. We're always helping each other out. It's crazy. I never see these people, and yet we're constantly in communication. We work together all the time, and I was fortunate enough to actually fly out to Seattle a couple weeks ago um, and meet all of them. And it was such a, a surreal experience because it was like, oh my God, I talk to you guys every single day. <laughs> and here you guys are in person. And um, I had taken a photo and of all of everybody. And it was kind of bittersweet because I was like, this is probably the only one of the few times we'll all be in the same place. But mm. also, there's we're going to be growing so much that we're going to have so many employees that it's going to be even more difficult to get us all in the mm. same place. So. It's exciting, you know, yeah. but it's also like this is this is getting big. This is a big deal, you know, and I'm getting to see it because we're only, I think, almost four years old and I've been a part of it for almost a year and a half. So, you know, I'm seeing the growth and I'm seeing all the new employees and everybody that's coming in. And it's just it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit about because in this industry, mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of women, um, especially women of color in kind of higher level positions, you know, managing and, and kind of running these operations. So what has your experience as a woman of color been um, kind of coming into this position? When I started working in craft beer, there was a, there was a fair amount of women, but the women were mostly, you know, cocktail servers, bartenders that you would see. Um, but I never really saw any women um, higher than that, um, it, except for sales. Mm-hmm. A lot of women in sales, um, which is not uncommon in any industry. Oh. You know what I mean? Um, not even just not just in craft beer. I feel like sales is a, a, a industry that no matter if they're selling drugs or selling parts or selling something, women are usually used because of their beauty. <laughs> to sell okay. something. So, so I'm like, oh, there's women in craft beer, but they're usually in sales positions, mm. you know? Which is nothing wrong with that. Um, but I didn't really see a lot of women as far as um, management or owning a brewery or starting one. Um, and Going to festivals was the, one of the ways where I really, really started seeing this kind of um, lack of diversity. And when I was doing festivals for Locust, um, I was seeing that, of course, as I always knew and suspected, it was mostly white men. Um, but And there was a fair amount of women going and enjoying the craft beer, but there wasn't a lot of people of color going to these. And there wasn't a lot of people of color even in the sales industry or women you know I was like where where is everybody at how am I the how am I the only one what's going on um but so I uh I wanted to kind of call attention to that and it wasn't me trying to bash anybody or trying to start any kind of controversy it was simply trying to point out a very obvious thing and um, there are statistics to prove that there is not a lot of women, especially women of color, in um, craft beer. But um, as I always use as an example, I mean, STEM, the STEM industry, there's only about 1% to 3% of all people in STEM are black women mm-hmm. or, or women of color. 
Um, and that's in almost every industry. So um, to sit, so I got a lot of I got a lot of support when my article came out about um, craft inclusion in Fort Worth Weekly. But there were some people who were like, "Well, why and this and that and you know." And my I wasn't trying to um, again talk down on anybody. It was mostly to point to show something that hey, there's statistical evidence that this is you know an issue, and mm -hmm. I want to know what we can do to make it better. I'm not here to answer the why or the how, you know, the reason why this has happened. That's on you mm -hmm. to look that up yourself. You know, you yeah. want to, if you want to research the backstory <laughs> on why that is, you, you are more than welcome to do that. But I'm just trying to prove a point. And so my goal is, um, as a woman of color in this industry, is to just basically show people that, you know, this these industries I don't feel are are inclusive. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're inclusive because of a reason, but I feel like if we if we point out a real obvious problem, then we can start making a change. Mm. You know, and I don't think people are aware. They're not trying to block us out. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a lack of our race, my race and my people, women, people of color, not knowing about these things, not knowing that these mm. are options, you know, like, oh, you can, you can be a, you can work in craft beer, you can be a rocket scientist, you yeah. can do all <laughs> these things. I think it's a lack of them not knowing and they won't know if we won't tell them. Mm. And so I basically just want people to know, like, you can do any job that you think is, you know, done by other people, you know, you can do it too. So that's, ultimately my goal right now and um, just empowering young girls you know yeah. <laughs> and saying you can work in craft beer yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah that's basically it <laughs> yeah that's that's really cool and I think that that that's good for a lot of people to hear not only so that you know people can kind of be inspired to be like oh yeah like I can do mm -hmm. this or like oh that that is an option that's interesting but also um the fact that, you know, we don't necessarily associate like, oh, working in craft beer is like a way of empowering other people mm -hmm. to like oh, do yeah. whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, using what you have and where you are mm -hmm. and kind of what you want to do to empower people to do. Maybe it's not in craft beer. Maybe it's something else. Mm -hmm. But them seeing you yeah. kind of where you're going and hearing your story, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people will hear that and, and you know, be inspired to do you know, maybe something else, maybe in a different industry. Then. Yeah, my my background and the way I grew up, um, you would never imagine, I would have never imagined myself being in this industry. I grew up with in a very, very poor neighborhood. You know, my parents weren't, I didn't have any money. I come from a really just stereotypical poverty <laughs> type of family. And, you know, um, the direction of, the way my life has been set up, I did not imagine myself here in this in this industry because it wasn't, you know, a it was either go to college or you stay in the streets. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, so to be in craft beer, I don't know how. Every day I'm like, how am I? In how did I? How did I stumble upon this? How did, How is this becoming my career? Because I am in school, and um, and my desire is to you know be a an engineer mm. essentially. Um, so it's crazy to me that this is where my life is leading. Even wanting to go to school for engineering is a crazy 
<laughs> a crazy notion because I'm like, how did I, you know, but I guess I've always wanted more. I always want to be different and set apart from, you know, how I was raised and the community that, that I was in. So, um, yeah, it does, I guess it, in a way, it makes sense that this is the industry that I'm in because <laughs> I never followed the, the path that was uh, chosen for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, have you, so, so working in the tap room, you know, you get to see all the different people coming in and I know you guys do pop-ups and, you know, Sunday brunch with, with different businesses has, um, has kind of food industry been a place where you've been able to connect with different kinds of people and see different kinds of people connect? Yes. So working in the tap room, part of my job is getting food out here on Friday and Saturdays. And let me tell you, if you guys out there are wanting to start a pop-up or a food truck, please do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you think it's oversaturated, it's not. We, I have, don't have enough food people. I need as much uh, people involved in food and creating food <laughs> as humanly possible. Because um, and, I, and it's funny because people have I've expressed wanting to do that. And um, like craft beer, if people are like, I want to start a brewery, I'm like, mm, you know, pump the brakes. You know, there's one, there's one on every corner. But if you're like, I want to start a food pop-up, I want to start a food truck, a restaurant, I'm like, yes, please, there's not enough. Yeah. And you think there is, but there really isn't. Um, but what's really awesome is I've actually got to meet so many interesting people. Um, for instance, uh, my, if I mention these people, it's like a plug. <laughs> Go for it. Um, <laughs> Uh, for instance, uh, Dios Vegana Taqueria, she does vegan tacos, and she's very new, and um, I've used her a few times for um, pop-ups when we did with Game Theory, and she's kind of just doing it by herself, and she's doing vegan tacos. Like, that's crazy to me, you know? And I'm like, awesome, and they're delicious. They're so good. And then you have um, my friend Ross. He, do, he does Ross, uh, his Ross Croc creations, and uh, again, doing it by himself, um, makes delicious food. Mm. Um, then you have Hal and Dixia. They're doing our uh, brunch until next week, and they do dumplings, and they're so good. They sell out instantly. Um, and right now, one, one food truck that I'm really proud of, and uh, we will be, they will be doing our pop-ups as of the first Sunday of March, um, is Flavor of the Islands. And the Ooh. reason why I'm really excited about them is because they are from my uh, <laughs> neck of the woods. They are... Uh, the Which is? Uh, they're Puerto Rican and Dominican. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> and so, and you had me at Flavor of the Islands. <laughs> <laughs> and their food is so good. And um, I'm really excited. They're so nice. Um, and they are from, I think, New York City, and which is my neck of the woods. And I'm very, very... Um, proud that they are down here do, uh, bringing our, our type of cuisine because, you know, Caribbean food is so different from Mexican food oh, and yeah. it's often, people often kind of clump Hispanic food into this one category. Yeah, which makes no sense. Which <laughs> makes no sense to me because they're like, you know, oh, I, you know, it's, it's Spanish food. And it's like, no, no, it's not. Like, Mexican food is so different from you know, Caribbean food and Caribbean food so different from uh, food from, you know, uh, South America, you know, yeah. it's so different. And um, 
I'm really excited because I grew up on Puerto Rican food and Dominican food, and um, their kind of twists on that is uh, very, very interesting. And so come out to our brunches <laughs> if you want to try some really good uh, Puerto Rican and Dominican food. <laughs> so there. <laughs> no, it's awesome. And uh, but yeah, just working with these uh, different types of um, food trucks and pop-ups, um, getting to try all these foods. They are so um, they're so amazing to work with. They want people to try their food. Coco Shrimp is another example. Mm. They are probably some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. They are so willing to just be out here no matter what. And I cannot wait till they open their brick and mortar. And yes. so I have like a physical space instead of people follow them around. Yes. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, they're so good. Um, I love you, Coco Shrimp. <laughs> I ate there last week for lunch. It was so good. It's so good. Um, yeah, and uh, we got, I just had Get Loud, which I love the name of that food oh, truck. Yeah. So what, what do they make? Um, I want to say it's, oh God, it's so, it's so <laughs> hard to describe their style. Um, but I had this uh, lettuce wrap. I, I just, oh, mm. it was so good. I had, they, they gave me like a, like a platter of different things and I didn't even really ask what it was. I had <laughs> them coming back out. <laughs> I had them coming back out, but it was just, a, and I just like was just devouring it because <laughs> yeah. it was just so good. Um, but they're super, they're super awesome. So yeah, if you are ever thinking about starting any type of food project, um, do it. And Locavore is a great place if you don't know um, how to go about getting started. Locavore will be one of those places that will help you, which I think is awesome. And um, I also think that what, what scares people from starting, they're like, well, where do I go? And it's like, Dude, if you come to me, if you come to me, I will help you out because there's so many breweries and yeah. <laughs> so many places that need pop-ups and food trucks. And I'm like, I am here to help. Yeah. So I will let you know where to go because we're always on the lookout for great food. Yeah. And, um, and it's just not just any food truck. We want to get unique like experiences. We mm. want the food to be an experience. Um, I don't want just the same, you know, of course, I'm not knocking anybody who's doing, you know, any types of uh, cuisines, but the ones that are really unique are the ones that I like to have out because coming to Locust Cider is an experience. We are only doing cider, we're the only cidery. So when you come to us, I want you to have like a full, well-rounded experience with the food and with our cider, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So continuing just talking about food, I'm already <laughs> like starving now because <laughs> we've been talking about it, but what's your go-to? I don't know, I've I tried to keep my my cravings to a minimum because if I were to <laughs> indulge in everything uh, that I want, I would not be healthy. <laughs> and I'm trying to cook at home more. So that's, um, but when I do cook, I usually cook Puerto Rican food. That's yes. usually my, that's usually all, that's all I really know how to cook, unfortunately, is Puerto Rican food. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> now I'm like, what do, you, what do you make? When you when you make Puerto Rican food at home, what do you make? Um, mostly like, um, uh, chicken, big chicken. Um, I really want to master benil, um, mm. which is uh, pork shoulder and yes. rice and beans. I'm really trying to master that. And uh, it's just hard because it's pork and you have to keep it in the oven for like eight hours yeah. and you're just, and you don't want to overcook it, but you don't want to undercook it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, 
I, I can I can make so many different things, but I'm so lazy. So yeah. if you if you ever want Puerto Rican food, come just text me and I'll <laughs> cook it for you. So I have a reason to make it. <laughs> <laughs> so like later today, yeah, right? Later, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come back in eight hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Um, oh, man. Pernil is, is so good. So oh my God, back yeah. home, um, a lot of my friends were, were Puerto Rican. And every, like, New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. they would do pernil, arroz con candules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd have, like, coquito. Yeah. Oh, have, yeah. oh, my God. All that. I miss it so much. So my mother lives in Arlington. And she, it's so funny because pernil is traditionally a holiday sure, yeah. uh, food, but I make her make it every time I come. Yeah. And my mom is so sick <laughs> of me. Like, I, I will not come over. I'm like, and she's like, woman, this is, you want me to make a feast <laughs> for yeah. you? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I know so, what I'm asking for. Yeah. And so she basically makes a Thanksgiving spread every single yes. time I come over. And it's it's great because she's always like, just bring someone with you. So yeah. if you when, ever, when am I coming to your mom's yeah, house? Yeah, I, I, I invite people all the time, and they don't do it. If you want, she will cook you a spread. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so down. Yeah. <laughs> and she's not too far from here, so yeah. <laughs> so it's awesome. So if they want to keep up with you or Locust Cider or things that are going on here, where's what's the best place? Where should they go? Um, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram, um, or you can always email me if um, you need to, um, or call me. Um, but yeah, everything that we're doing here at Locust is, um, there's going to be a lot more going on come the summer seasons. We're going to have a lot more events, hosting a lot more cool things. It's a little bit hard because of the cold weather. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, be on the lookout. Um, I also want to let you know, we do have a really awesome membership um, here at Locust Cider. And the reason why I'm suggesting the membership is because um, it's uh, it's 175 for the membership for an annual membership. It, 25 of it goes to Hydrocephalus Association, which is a cause that's really, really near and dear to our hearts here at Locust Cider um, because it's a condition that their owner's daughter, Lucy, um, has. And uh, she's had to have three brain surgeries. Mm. Um, and we donate a lot to this cause. Um, but the cool thing about our membership is that every time you come in, you and a guest get um, a free flight of four um, five ounce pours or a, a pint. You also get half off growlers and um, 15% off merch. And it's really cool because after a couple visits, it really does pay for itself. And for the rest yeah. of the year, you're drinking for free. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> so that's the reason why I, I suggest it because I have a lot of people who come in here so often and I'm like, you could have saved yourself yeah. a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh. join, uh, join our Locust Cider because it's a really cool cause. And, um, yeah, and then you get to come in here and hang out with me and Judah, and you know <laughs> we'll just you know love on you and you know talk and be your best friends <laughs> every time you come in here. Uh, that's awesome, cool. Well, Lou, thank you so much for coming on the program today. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I, I thank you for having me. This is awesome. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and uh, rate us on iTunes. That really does help us out with the ratings, so more people can hear this program. You can also listen to um, the show on the website at widowkitchen.com. There's a little podcast tab where you can hear all the episodes. Um, And then you can also listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, wherever you listen to your podcast. So please uh, subscribe, rate us. It really does help us out and uh, helps us produce more content in the future. So thank you guys for listening.